Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. So friends, our scripture reading today, first scripture reading, comes from Matthew. This is the fifth chapter, the second through the eighth verses. But first, let us pray together. Lord God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So illumine our hearts, our minds, our whole selves, that we might receive your word to us this day. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Then Jesus began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading today uh, remains in the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be reading from the 14th chapter and reading through the 22nd through the 33rd verse. Uh, Let us listen for God's word for us. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came... He was there alone. But by this time, the boat battered by the waves was far from land, and the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. 
But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. In college, I participated in a Bible study with a group of guys. I'm sure my just saying that just resurrects you, all those memories you have of staying up late nights in college studying Scripture. Well, we were studying the Beatitudes, reading them together, and I remember we got to this Beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart. And I remember looking around at this group of guys I was with and thinking, we don't have a chance. We, we were just trying, I don't know, trying to find something to get us through, but purity, that was not an option, not with that crowd. Well, I'm different than I was when I was in college, thanks be to God. But purity is still not an option. But this is one of those places, this passage is one of those places where a seminary education can prove valuable. Uh, for when I returned to this wisdom of Jesus, when in seminary, I learned something about the Beatitudes that I had not previously appreciated. There's there's nuance in the language that I had not picked up on before. You see, when, when we say something is pure, we tend to think it's perfect, it's flawless. Well, that's not me. It's not anyone. None of us gets the important things right all the time. And if purity is understood this way, then if the pure ones are the only ones who see God, then who sees God? Because no one's ever pure. Why, why would Jesus describe a condition of blessing that no one will ever experience? Well, he wouldn't. Uh, something else is at play here. To be pure is not to be flawless. It's something else. If I understand it, the pure in heart are not those who have a life without flaw or mistake, but rather it's those whose lives are shaped by their faith. There's an integrity between the faith that is held and the life that is lived. There's a focus to it. I think Matthew 
I think Matthew gives us in the gospel some narrative examples of some of the Beatitudes. And if I understand it correctly, he gives us a picture of what the pure in heart look like. It's our second passage. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and head across the sea to the other side. But before they reach the other side, Jesus walks out to them on the water. Now, look, first of all, if you're skeptical that this actually happened, you should be. If the early church has just handed us a story that communicates that Jesus has the power to walk across the Missouri River without getting his ankles wet, well, it's impressive, but ultimately useless because it has no impact on how we live our lives because even on our best days, you're not going to walk across that river, neither am I. And even if we did, so what? What difference would it make? What difference would it make if he walked across that river? This is not a story about Jesus' power over nature. It's a story about his power to convert human nature. When the disciples see him walk as he does, well, it's something they'd obviously never seen anybody else do. And it frightened them. We can't blame them for that. But Peter, in perhaps his best moment, says, Lord, I want to walk like you walk. I want to walk where you walk. If it's you, tell me to come out there with you. If I understand it, the story reveals that Jesus walks through the world like nobody else. He walks through the world shaped by a devotion to God in every moment. And when he walks through the world in this unique fashion, it's a little frightening. But the story also reveals his invitation to all of us to walk like he walks, to walk where he walks. Even if the whole world says, you can't walk that way and survive, you're going to drown out there. It, it had to sound pretty crazy to the disciples there in the boat when Peter said, I'd rather walk out there with you than stay here in the safety of this boat. The disciples were probably thinking, man, I'm glad I'm here to see this. That boy's going to sink like a stone. But he didn't sink. Jesus had come, and he stepped out of the boat, and he walked like Jesus walked. He walked on top of the water and he walked toward Jesus for a while. He wasn't perfect at it, but he's pretty good. Better than me, I think. But then the story says that Peter noticed the winds. And when he notices the winds, that's when he begins to sink. It's when his devotion becomes distracted. It's when his heart becomes fragmented. His mind is divided. When he notices not just Jesus, but also the winds, then he begins to sink. And this is where this beatitude comes to life, if I understand the text. Peter walks on the water, and he does so as long as his focus is on Jesus. 
That's what the pure in heart look like. When Jesus uh, describes the pure in heart, it's those whose lives are shaped by their faith. Their devotion to God exists in every moment. And for a moment, Peter is moving through the world with the same kind of devotion that Jesus walks through the world with. But then he notices the wind. And his mind becomes divided. His heart is fragmented. He notices not just the power of Jesus, but also the power of the wind. And he has to ask himself, which power can I rely on? Which power is going to shape me? Which power is true? Which power can be trusted? That's a metaphor, but it seems so real to me. See, I... I like to think that my Christian faith, that my own Christian faith is my guiding light, my north star, my foundation that shapes every choice. I like to think that I am Christian in every moment. But a more honest confession is that in my life there are a collection of voices, there are a variety of powers, there is an academy of philosophies that shape my worldview, and I'm mindful of them all. And I live with a fragmented heart. We all do, a divided mind. We both see Jesus and we see the power of the winds. Am I making any sense to you? Several years ago, I met a woman who with courage shared with me that in her own home, she experienced physical physical abuse from her husband. And at a breaking point, she said she went to her father, who was a pastor, not Presbyterian, I'm glad, but a pastor. And her father's counsel to her was not come in and find shelter, but go home and make it right. Women are to be submissive, he said. It's in the book. Well, just saying it's in the book is not enough. The book has to be interpreted as a word of love and life, and go submit is neither. He had confused the voices of his worldview and the voice of patriarchy. It's not the voice of God. The voice of violence is not the voice of God. So, That's an easy one. But where do you think we might be confused ourselves? Where where do you think we might confuse the call of Jesus with the blustering of the winds? How, How does your faith shape your parenting if you're a parent? How does your faith shape your work if you work? How does it shape your investing if you invest? How does your faith shape how you spend your time? The pure in heart, they recognize that faith should shape every aspect of our lives. There's no aspect of our life that's beyond the care and interest of God. Now, I could go on, but suffice it to say, we all have reasons, a collection of reasons for what we do. We have convictions of what's important, 
But how much does God shape those convictions and how much are those convictions shaped by the winds, the waves of individualism or nationalism or capitalism or, or shaped not by the gospel itself but by fear or injury or even selfishness? If I understand the text, it says Jesus shows us how to walk. He shows us how to live. But he frightens us sometimes. And it's hard to trust. It can be a bit unnerving, and it should, because after all, to love like he loves means there's always a cross in the picture, and none of us can face that without sweating a little blood. A couple of weeks ago, I shared with you a moment in the life of Congressman John Lewis. And it reminded me uh, that it reminded me of the only time I ever met him. It was here in Kansas City. He spoke at an event for the Truman Presidential Library. And that evening, he shared a story. He said that not long before he had been there, uh, been with us here in Kansas City, there was a, a man and his father who came to visit Congressman Lewis in his office. And he said, as they walked in the door, the, the older man dropped his head. And then he looked back up at the congressman, and his eyes were moist. And Congressman Lewis said, before he could even sit down, he said, I'm sorry. And Lewis said, you're sorry for what? He said, I was there. I was there on the Pettus Bridge in 1965. I was the one who beat the marchers. I thought I was doing right, but now I know I was wrong and I am sorry. And Lewis said, I forgive you. And then he said to those of us seated around banquet hall tables, he said, I continue to believe, I continue to believe that it is possible for us to get it right. I want faith like that. I need faith like that. I'm living toward faith like that, to continue to believe that it is possible for us to get it right, to live every moment shaped by our devotion to God, to be pure in heart. Okay. Don't let me overstate it. Purity is not an option because we all know voices and powers that form the wind in our lives that bluster with fear and injury and concern that distract us from God. We are a people, as I say every week, of belief and unbelief. But we're also a people who want to figure out how to get out of the boat to walk like Jesus walks. And Representative Lewis said, I continue to believe it's possible for us to get it right. He's not the only one who believes that. Jesus does too. If Jesus didn't believe that we could walk on water, he would have never said, come. Come, my disciple. Come, my child. Step out of that boat. 
Take the step that is yours to take. You can do it. I believe in you. Just keep your focus on me. Step out of that boat. I'll be right there with you. Come on, my beloved disciple. You can do better than you think. I'm right there with you. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.